All right, well, good evening. Before we get started in the book of Joshua in chapter 21, I get it. You love each other. I get it. So before we get started in the book of Joshua chapter 21, I just wanted to take a second to share some things the Lord has been putting on my heart this last week. We had a, there was a tragedy in Nashville at that Christian school with the shooting, and I was sharing with another pastor. I was sharing with a friend of mine. I said, you need to be careful because now what's coming next is where the enemy works, and that is when the enemy begins to polarize people and the politicians and the different groups in society are baiting believers into standing for things that believers are not supposed to be standing for. And this is what I'm, what I'm getting at. We remember from 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians a few weeks ago that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. And now we're seeing very incendiary language that's being brought out and the media is pandering to certain audiences. What worries me as a pastor is when Christians fall into that trap. You see, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as disciples of Christ, in Christ's name, we are not to be for or against weapons of any kind. That's not his message. We are not for or against any people or any people group, or how people identify each other. And it is definitely not an us versus them. That polarizing, baiting language is used to, number one, get you to click on the media. It's clickbait. Number two, to get you commenting on social media, and the enemy uses it to divide. The message is this. The problem is sin, and we live in a sin-cursed and fallen world. And another tragedy has happened. And there are many other tragedies, and we're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through Christ alone is salvation alone, and that it's through Jesus Christ that we are saved and born again and live for eternity with Him. There's no other message that we have. We stand on the gospel and the Word of God. Uh, Obviously, this tragedy is just that a tragedy, and we need to weep with those who weep. I mean, it hurts me personally when I know that the senior pastor's only nine-year-old daughter passes away. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I identify with that. But in the same sense, 30 immigrants died in a facility, a holding facility, in a fire, and nobody cares. And I'm not belittling any tragedy. I'm simply saying that as Christians, we stand for a higher message, and I pray that as disciples in Christ, we don't get caught, we don't identify with the wrong message. Now, as American citizens, as individuals, we have all kinds of opinions. But just don't fall into the enemy's trap where it becomes a them versus us mentality. Jesus Christ is for the whole world and for salvation. So I just had to get that off my chest. The Lord was putting it on my heart this last week. You can take it and use it as the Lord sees fit. Or you can ignore me and do whatever you want. Just get on that social media and just start blasting your name on everything. It's up to you. So far, it's still a free country. Well, we're going to be in, Gen- in Genesis. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 21. At least JJ's awake. <laughs> Joshua chapter 21. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you. We pray uh, for those that are suffering this evening all over, Lord. For those that are hurting, that have lost, ones, lost loved ones. We know that you're the God of all comfort that comforts us, Lord. We pray for your word this evening. That you have a special message for us, and I pray that we would apply it. 
and be the disciples in Christ that we're talking about, that we would represent you and represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, yes, it is true. Chapter 21 has a lot of geography in it. So we are going to do a little bit of skipping, but there is a special message, and there are some very unique verses here that are definitely memory take-home verses. I want to start with this. Why does God have you where you're at? Whether it's in school, whether it's in your job, in your workplace, in your retirement, in your club, in your, the, your guys you golf with, the gals that you play tennis with, why does God have you placed where you're at? And some of that we're going to learn here in chapter 21. So let's read verses 1 through 3. Then the heads of the fathers, houses of the Levites, came near to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in, with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance, at the commandment of the Lord, these cities and their common lands. So the last chapter, we talked about the cities of refuge and how the Levites were going to run those cities, but not every Levitical city is a city of refuge. Here in Joshua 21, there are going to be 48 different cities that the Levites are going to dwell in. Now, the verses from 4 to 42 are going to list these cities, all 48 of them. No, we are not going to read them all. But we also see something fascinating here. When we look through these cities that are going to be given, we notice that the Levitical tribes, they're set up by their families. If you remember in Leviticus, that there's certain families within the Levitical tribe had specific roles. You guys remember that? The certain families had certain jobs. Some were to carry the outside coverings and the poles. Some were to carry the furniture. Some were to actually perform um, the rituals, which is the Aaronic covenant. The, the tribe, the family of Aaron was to do that. And so they had different roles. Well, these cities are split up by those families. Merari, the Kohathites, the Aaronic um, family, and then the Gershonites, I believe, is the last one. And so those different families are going to be separated in these different cities. But here's the point that I was making earlier. These 48 cities are strategically sprinkled all throughout the nation of Israel. We know that the cities of refuge were split around the nation of Israel and approximately were within one day's journey from any portion of Israel. But the rest of these cities are sprinkled throughout. And that means that in every tribe and in every community, there were cities that were wholly dedicated to serving God. The Levites and their different roles were set up to serve the Lord. That's why they didn't have farms. That's why they didn't have lands and property to take care of. Because the, the tribe of Levi was 100% dedicated to prayer, to reading, to God's law. And they still had to make their journey to Shiloh where the tabernacle was, but they weren't transporting the materials around anymore. And that meant that if you were a Benjamite or you were in the tribe of Judah or Simeon, any of the other tribes, you were able to witness people that were dedicated to God. 
And that's why I asked you earlier, where are you placed and why are you there? God has strategically sprinkled us throughout this community at different age groups, in different schools, in different jobs. And you may think, I hate this job. I don't know why God has me in this job. Because you're his ambassador that he has given to that job site. You represent Jesus Christ there. You're an ambassador for him, just like the Levites were sprinkled throughout all these different communities. People that were dedicated to knowing the scriptures and to prayer and to serving God. And we too are to be serving him. Remember the Levites, their inheritance is God himself. And that's in Joshua 13, 14, a few chapters before. Only the tribe of Levi, he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance as he said to them. What a privilege for us to be able to serve the Lord in the place that he has placed you. It's the enemy that wants you to think it's a curse. It's the enemy that makes you question, oh, well, if I could just, just what? Serve the Lord? You serve him wherever you are. We are a kingdom of priests. We'll look at that later. Well, I'm just a homemaker. I'm just at home. Your, kill, your, your children are your first missionary field. Your first mission field is your children. Well, uh, I'm a widower, I live by myself, and I have no kids. you got neighbors. you got a mailman. You've got a fellowship here. The Lord has placed you exactly where you are at. You can read and pray and have the same inheritance that the Levites had, which is seeking after God. Is that not the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And then Jesus added a second, <clears throat> to love your neighbor as yourself. And that includes your coworker. That includes the person you're golfing with. And we are to be an influence, as the New Testament tells us, as Jesus told us, salt and light. And so, like any good bowl of tortilla chips at the Mexican restaurant, it needs a good sprinkling of salt. One of the most important lessons Pastor Mark Galvin taught me. You've got to bless those chips. The Lord has blessed us by sprinkling us throughout this community. And that's why there's friction. That's why it's difficult for you to be in the place you are because you don't want to be there. You don't want to be around non-believers. You want to be with believers who think like you. You want to worship with them. And that's what church is for, our city of refuge. We talked about that last week. But there's always going to be friction with the world because we're that preservation. We're that reminder to them that they should be seeking after God. And they don't always like it. All right, well, let's look at verses 4 through 42. We're just going to skim through it. I just want to hit some peaks on here. So chapter 21, verse 4, it says, Now the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the children of Aaron the priest, who were the Levites had 13 cities by lot from tribe of Judah. And then it's going to start listing and listing and listing and listing. So we're going to scroll down a little bit to verse 6. And the children of Gershon, that's another family within the Levitical tribe, had 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar. And then it's going to list the different tribes and their location. Verse 7, the children of Merari. So we got Merari, Gershon, and the Kohathites. Those are the different families. 
and then it's going to list it the same way. And the families had 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben. Excuse me. Then it starts listing all the different tribes. Verse 9, so they gave from the tribe of the children of Judah and from the tribe of the children of Simeon these cities. So when they're getting these cities, they have to get them from the tribes that they've been inherited from. If you remember the maps we had, let's take Judah, the southern portion had a large area. Well, they were given that area, but now they have to give some back to the Levites, these cities. Now, these cities have been built by the Canaanites and the Philistines, and they had been taken over in the previous war, and God had delivered them. So let's go all the way down to verse 13. Thus to the children of Aaron, the priests were give, uh, they gave Hebron with its common land. Now the common land is 3,000 feet from the city. So from the city gates, they were given a circle of 3,000 feet. So they could have some cattle. They could have um, some land for some grazing, but they didn't have enough to support themselves. The tribes would have to support them. That becomes a big deal later on in the minor prophets when they begin in, in Kings and Chronicles, when the children of Israel stop worshiping the Lord and are worshiping false idols. You'll see in those books that one of the symptoms is the Levites have to start providing their own food and they start fi- farming again. That means their focus is not on God because they're not being supported. And if the Lord tarries, we'll get there because we go straight through the Bible. All right, so that's the common areas of verse 13. Verse 20, And the families of the children of Kohath, the Levites, the rest of the children of Kohath, even they had the cities of of their lot from the tribe of Ephraim. And then we're going to continue down. They're listing, listing, listing. Verse 27, they go to the Gershons. They talk about the tribes that they're getting it from. Let's go all the way down to verse 34. And to the families of the children of Merari, the rest of the Levites from the tribe of Zebulon, and then again, listing the common land, the cities, and the tribes that they come from. Verse 40, so all of the cities for the children of Merari, according to their families, the rest of the families of the Levites were by their lot 12 cities. Verse 41, all the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Every one of these cities and its common land surrounding it, thus were all these cities. And so again, sprinkled throughout the land. We sometimes think, and this used to be more popular in the 1960s and 70s during the Jesus movement. Let's get out of the world and let's start a Christian commune. Let's go start a Christian town or a Christian area. Let's get away from all the worldly people and that'll be utopia. That'll just be the a greatest place on the planet. Well, that's not what the Lord has called us to do. We're not to be of the world, but we're called to be in the world. We're to be separate, holy, unique, we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus, but we are to be in the world, salt and light that's preaching the gospel, strategically sprinkled. And like I said earlier, that, that brings friction. And what they found in these Christian communities is that they brought all their problems with them because it's still just filled with a bunch of filthy sinners that we all are. And I, it seems like in the last few weeks, I've never been able to have a sermon without saying wherever there's people 
there's people problems. And that's what they found. And so those communities oftentimes found themselves going back home. And that's because the Lord doesn't want us to do that. That is what the church is for. We're to come together to this place of refuge, to worship God, to be re-equipped, to be healed, and to be encouraged, and to go back out into the world until He comes to take us home. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that we are just like the Levites in one area. It says, but you are a chosen generation, speaking to Christians, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And we're to continue to do that. We're to seek after the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's chosen us. He's predestined us. He knows that we are called by his name. We are the body of Christ his own special people, but we are called to go and proclaim his praises, to proclaim his goodness, to go into the world and to preach the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And we forget that because, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, I think, well, once I get out of my, quote, secular job, I can really start serving the Lord. Nothing is further from the truth. We know that Paul, when he was with the Corinthians, who we've been studying for the last few months, he was a tent maker, a worker in leather. He had a, quote, secular job. What did he do in his secular job? In that siesta Greek time, that afternoon time off, he had a Bible study every single day. And so wherever the Lord has placed you, he's placed you there for a reason, for as long as he has placed you there. Don't you want to have and want to know that there are public school Christian teachers don't you, don't you want to have policemen, policewomen that are followers of Christ, and firemen and paramedics? Don't you want believers to be in politics? Don't you want believers to be fixing our roads, to be electricians? We want believers everywhere. The issue is that we don't want to be the one that's everywhere. We want to be the exception. But God has placed you strategically right where you're at whether he's brought you out of a foreign country or from another state or both if you're from Ohio. The Lord has called you here for a purpose. Only I can get away with insulting half the congregation. <laughs> but he's called you here. He, you got a job. So my question for you is, why are you complaining about the job that God has given you? Why are you belly aching about the place that He has placed you? Many of us are working, have been in work, or have worked for a long time, and you're retired now. You know that coworker that's just constantly complaining, that employee, that no matter what you do, they're just complaining all the time with the jobs that they're given. Well, the Lord has given you the job to place you right where you're at right now. Are you just complaining to Him about the calling that He has for you right now? You see, the Levites, they didn't get to choose what city they were given. If you were in the Kohathite tribe, you are listed, you got your cities. This is where you're going to live. But I don't want to live in the city. I want to live in the mountains. I want to live on the plain. I want to live on a farm. No. No, you're in this tribe. You're in this family. You're called to serve here. Well, the same thing is true with us, this kingdom of priests. 
We, we don't live on this planet for our own gratitude and our own fulfillment. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And if He is the Lord, L-O-R-D, that means He is in charge. If you call Him Lord, then He leads. You follow the Lord's leadings. Well, we have only a few verses left in this chapter, but they're very powerful. So we're going to spend some time on it. Let's read verse 43 and 44 together. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which He had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that He had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against Him. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. So here's some really important things here that I want to show. Number Verse 43. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which He had sworn to give to their fathers. The Lord gave, He gave His promise. That promise is fulfilled. That is a multi-generational promise. Sometimes it takes some time, but the Lord always comes through. But I want you to look at this phrase. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. See, we've been talking this evening about where the Lord has strategically placed you. My question to you is, are you taking possession of it? And are you dwelling in it? Some of us, you know, the Lord has placed you where you're at, but you're, you're constantly in your mind somewhere else. I wish I was back here. I wish I was going there. The Lord has given you this home that you live in, this apartment that you live in. He's given you this church. He's given you this community to witness in. Are you dwelling in it? Are you here? You see, they were given the city, but they had to go to the city and they had to live in the city. Can you see the, uh, the Merari wife of the tribe of Levi? Yeah, yeah, no, don't put that over there. Put that over there. Oh, no, I like it back over there. She's dwelling in it. She's making it hers. She's making it her place. Her husband's probably going insane like the rest of us because how many times can you move that lamp? But that's hers. Well, the same thing is true of our priesthood in this community. Are you taking possession of the things that God has given you? For some of you, you let the enemy dwell in your mind and in your home. You let the world dwell. You don't take possession of what is yours. It starts in your dining room table with your family. Take possession back. Stop giving it to the world, to the enemy, to your past to your future that doesn't exist, take possession of it now. Some of you, you have to take possession of your life, of your mind, because you have so many other people. Your enemies are in here, people that are against you are in here. You have uh, people that are in your past that are stuck in here. You have your coworkers that you don't like are stuck in here, and they own that space. It was just said uh, recently about one politician to another. He said uh, despairingly, disparagingly, he said, I live rent-free in that guy's brain. That's what he said. Because he's constantly thinking about him. No, take possession of your life and dwell in it. Then there's your home. Take possession of your home, of your marriage, of your family, and dwell in it. Live there. Move the vase around. Move the couch. Own it. God's given it to you. He's delivered it. Take possession of this church. 
We are the body of Christ, and every one of us that serves here and volunteers here has a part to play here because the Lord has strategically placed this church and this community for this time and this place. Dwell here. If, you, if you've been here more than three times and you want to keep coming, this is your church too, our home, our refuge. And then finally, are we taking possession of this community? This is our home now. We live here. Almost every person here, to a man or a woman, is an immigrant, whether it was a year ago or 10 years ago or uh, some of you 100 years ago. Where's Mike Russo? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and we moved here, and we always thought, well, this is somebody. No, we live here. This is our community. We need to take possession and dwell here in the name of Jesus Christ. And then what do we see? Let's go to verse 44. The Lord gave them rest all around. What's our job? Take possession and dwell. That's our job. The Lord delivers the enemies. He's delivered you. He's placed you here. What's our job? Dwell here, possess here. And then the Lord, He gives the rest. We don't, get, we don't make rest. Our rest is in Him. According to all that He had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against Him. This is not false, but it's not accurate to the fullest. Why is that? Because the nation of Israel did not take possession of the land and dwell in it. Remember who is in what is going to be the city of Jerusalem? The Canaanites are living there because Israel made a deal. You see, every time the nation of Israel walked in the promises of God, God granted them victory. But any time they stopped, they didn't take possession, they didn't dwell in it, the enemy is still there. So this is 100% fact in that God delivered the enemies of Israel into their hand. Where it fell through was not from God, but from who? Israel did not fulfill that. They compromised. We saw that. And so again, if you're not, comprom- if you're not catching what I'm throwing down here, if you're not tracking this, you're, you're asleep. Are you taking possession of all of God's promises? Are you dwelling in them? In your school, are you a follower of Christ, an ambassador for Christ? Or, I can't believe my parents put me in this school. Oh, it's so terrible. I can't believe my husband drugged me to Sun City, South Carolina. Don't they know how big the mosquitoes are here? The sand gnats will fly off with my, with my poodle. The Lord has given you this place to possess it, to dwell in it, to find rest in it. But you're not taking possession of your own mind, your own life, your own home, your church, your community. You're not dwelling in it. And therefore, your enemies are still there. But verse 45, this is your memory verse, verse 45. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. You've got to underline it. Memorize it. You see, if you don't spend the time to read the Bible and you don't sift through the 40-some-odd verses of cities being listed, then you don't catch these little nuggets. Not a word failed of any good thing. All the promises of God are yes and amen. God never fails. We fail. The nation of Israel failed. 
We constantly make mistakes. We're constantly making the wrong decisions. But his mercies are new every day because he never fails. Not a word failed of any good thing. The Lord wants good things. The enemies of the gospel are mocking us. The enemies of the gospel are mocking thoughts and prayer. They're saying, oh, those things, God doesn't answer those things. Those are not real. That's make-believe. First of all, what do you expect the enemies of Christ to do? To applaud us when we're doing the most important thing that God has called us to do, which is to pray? Of course not. They want us to stop that. And I want us to point out here that not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All who live for Christ, all who call upon His name shall be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can take that to the spiritual bank because not a word failed of any good thing. Which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. I also want us to see historically that all of it came to pass. This Bible, this Word of God, all of it has come to pass. From Genesis to Revelation, from speaking into the heavens and the world and man being created, to the fall, to Noah's flood, to the nation of Israel and its histories, to the fall of Babylon and Persia, the time of Malachi and the prophets, the 300-year gap, the 400-year gap between Malachi until John the Baptist stepping onto the scene, from the apostles and the eyewitnesses of Jesus' miracles and His resurrection, the book of Acts, and the apostles going through all the world and preaching the gospel, and Paul bringing the word to the Gentiles, their martyrdoms, the epistles, the churches, and then yet future in the book of Revelation when Christ returns for His church and takes us home and God's wrath is poured out on the planet. All of it has, is, and will come to pass. And not a word will fail. This is the Word of God and none of it will fail. So take possession. The places that God has given you, where He has placed you, He is in control. Rest in Him, and remember that every good and perfect thing comes from above. We are a kingdom of priests. We are to worship and serve Him in everything that we do. There is no sacred or secular because all has been sanctified by Christ in filling us with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, being in His Word because none of it will fail to walk in those promises. Well, we're going to spend the rest of this evening in prayer, seeking after Him and doing the very thing that the enemies are mocking. So if you pray, pray loud enough, one at a time, so that we can all hear, so that we can come alongside with your prayers. Father, we thank You so much for Your grace and Your mercy that all of Your promises come to pass. We thank You that You call us to possess and to live in, to dwell in these areas of our lives that You've given us. We pray for the families of those immigrants that lost their lives, Lord, that are weeping and hurting. We pray that they would find peace in you. We pray for the families involved with that tragedy in Nashville, Lord. For those that are weeping, we know you weep with them. And we pray that you would give them comfort. Pray for that community, Lord. We pray for our nation, our country, Lord, that the enemy is trying to divide 
to enrage, to set sides against themselves, Lord. And we pray for a great awakening, as you've done in the past. We pray for your spirit to come to convict souls of their sin and that they would accept you as Lord and Savior of their lives. We pray that you would encourage us to pray and to be in prayer, knowing that the prayers of a righteous man avails much, Lord. You've called us to do it, and you are the Lord. And so we pray that we would, that we would do the thing you've called us to do, Lord. 